0: Hello and welcome to the How To Money podcast. Join us as we take on the task of demystifying the confusing world of money and help kickstart your financial education journey. Just a reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is financial education only. We are not giving you any advice. If you do want personal advice, please make your own inquiries and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. I'm Kate, your host, and today I'm here with my co-host, Susan, to really dive into how risk affects you as an investor. More specifically, what is risk? What are the different types of risks that you should be looking out for? And why you should be aware of your own tolerance to risk. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Hi, Susan. Welcome back to the How To Money podcast. Hi, Kate. Good to be back. Now, today we were planning to dive into risk
1: and... The role risk plays in investing. Yep, it's an incredibly important role and it affects everything we do. Kate, do you like hang gliding? No. Do you like uh, bungee jumping? Haven't tried it yet. Uh, Skydiving? Uh, Don't think I ever will. Why not, Kate? They're fun, thrill-seeking type activities.
0: I tend to like my feet planted on the ground. Because... It's uh, safer. Safer. So would you consider those sort of activities risky? Yeah, I think it's a, a risk level that's beyond me. Yeah. And my capacity.
1: And your capacity. <laughs> and so a lot of people would think those sort of activities are risky. So why do you think they're risky, Kate? Oh, I think
0: the uh, return just isn't there for me. I um, <laughs> the uh, The risk
1: of dying just doesn't pay off. Yeah. So... You consider them risky because you don't think you'll get the return in sense of enjoyment and fun, Mm. and you think the likelihood of some sort of death or injury is quite high.
0: Yeah, and I I just think I'd get up in the air and uh, chicken out, so it'd probably waste of money too. (laughs) Ah, and a waste
1: of money. Okay. So you automatically make these sort of quick calculations. What do you think I'd like? What do you think I'd get? The outcomes, the expected outcomes for me. And the potential downsides. Mm. So it's a risk calculation and it comes into everything we do. Uh, we know driving a car is dangerous. People die every day. Hundreds die on our roads each year. But most of us drive a car. When we hit 18, mm. we jump in and out of cars. It's still risky. There's still a negative outcomes. But we're inclined to forget that because we see the positive returns. Mm. It gets me from A to B quickly, efficiently. It can carry my shopping in the back while I'm going. So we make those judgments all the time. And the same thing happens with shares. We make judgments which share we're going to buy or whether we buy a bond or a bill or a term deposit, a share or a Bitcoin. So we make judgments about our risk, and the sort of outcomes we'll get. Mm.
0: And we don't always make these judgments correctly. No, or
1: with any degree of accuracy. Mm. So, bungee jumping, skydiving, you think the risk because of accidents. Do you know how many actually happen in Australia each year? Not do you sure. know what percentage of all the people that do go bungee jumping, skydiving, what percentage actually do have an accident, if any? Mm-hmm. No, but you might remember one story a few years ago and that's in your mind. This person injured or died doing skydiving, so hence you're not going to do it. Yeah. And yet we know people die on the roads and yet we still go driving, Mm. even if you're only a passenger. So it's very interesting how we'll equate the risk of something with also the necessity or the want to do Mm. it. Uh, and you've got to think about that. You'll often see when you're investing something that maybe in hindsight is quite risky, or you should have seen the risk, but you want to do it. You it talk yourself fun. into it. Yeah. You took, it seemed a groovy little share yeah. to buy or, or some little funny investment. I mean,
0: if you really want something, suddenly the return will look much greater than the risk. And uh, if you're not too keen on something, the risks suddenly look a lot more
1: than the returns. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so we always bring those sort of biases into our investment. So just remember that when you go forward, why some people might like one particular investment or share and you can't see the value or the outcome, and they can. Mm -hmm. And, And you just, we come at it differently. So that's to be expected. Yeah. So think about your own self, what you like. Are you a risk seeker? What do you do in, you know, think about your hobbies. Are you a risk seeker? Do you like that thrill and excitement? Do you like, you know, um, rock climbing and skydiving? And does that come across to your investments and you're more risk seeker in your investments? Perhaps, perhaps not. Or are you very timid about your own sporting activities and hence, You may be quite more timid in your own investments. Mm. And sometimes we're parallel. We do have that same view on life. Yeah, and some people are completely opposite. Yeah, you don't do anything wild in your sporting life, but you might take a lot more risk in your investments. Mm. Now, let's
0: dive a bit more into what risk actually is. So Warren Buffett has said that risk comes from not knowing what you're doing.
1: Well, I think risk is always there, but it definitely adds to all your problems if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Now, how how do you define, define risk? Well, risk I was always taught was um, uncertainty of outcomes or variation from a mean. Mm. You can look at it mathematically. You can use a definition from the international risk standard, ISO 31,000. Risk is a variation um, of outcomes. So... Um, There are a lot of um, views of risk, but mainly when we talk risk and depending who you speak to, if it's an accountant or auditor, risk manager, they see risk as negative. What can go wrong? Mm. Whereas others and traders in particular see also risk. Yes, things can go wrong, negative returns, but you don't invest in something if you only see a negative return. You also see a positive return. So risk is equally about. Understanding and maximizing the positive return.
0: Yeah. If you're looking at it being the standard deviation from mm. the outcome,
1: then it could just as well be positive mm. as negative. So, a good risk manager, if you like, is trying to, yes, minimize the downside, but mm. maximize the upside or the opportunity. I think in fi- finance and investing, we definitely associate risk
0: with the possibility of losing your initial investment. So, mm.
1: it's a good place to start yeah you know if you can't afford to lose that initial investment should you be doing it in the first place yeah Uh, because yes it may double your money but you know if it's 80 percent it's going to likelihood it's going to lose Then the 20 percent that it's going to double doesn't outweigh the concern Mm. and
0: be aware in investing there are some products that you can lose more than you start with so that's uh, definitely another kettle of fish and yeah. something I'd stay far away from when you're getting started.
1: What do we hear about today? 500 to 1. Mm. Leverage. Yes. So, um, so always start off, how much can I afford to lose? Mm. Now, Susan, what do you think about calculated risk? Well, is that just another word of saying do your homework before you yeah. invest? You Where you understand all the
0: risks involved rather than blindly going into something.
1: Well, please never think you understand all the risks involved because there's always that thing that can sideswipe you. So you like to think you've got a good idea of, of most of the risks, you, but you do know there can be some risks out there that can still be totally unexpected, you know, that black swan type idea. Or they may be totally unexpected to you, but someone else out there knows all about it and is pulling the strings and you're the bunny who is last in line and doesn't know it. Which happens time after time. <laughs> yeah, and the smaller little investors we are, the more likely yes.
0: that we are the last in line. Yeah, you definitely don't get to hear about the inside information just as
1: the investor on the street. No. No, so calculated risk. that's what we plan to do. Look at investment, read the brochures, read the the pds if it has one read your websites and say okay they're telling me the upsides they're telling me and they have to in certain products tell you the downsides mm. um and they they will they're not trying to lie to you but they're obviously going to highlight the benefits yeah over the negative but even so things can still affect people that yes. they really didn't know. There's
0: about. countless individuals out there ready to tell you the rewards of a certain investment product or company, but it's often up to the individual to work out the risks.
1: Yeah, and it is because it's how they view them. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's why we talk even in, when people talk about, you know, advice, you know, seek financial advice, it's still your perception of that risk. Mm. Um You know, as I said earlier, what you think is least risky, someone else could see extremely risky. And they don't know your personal circumstances as well. So people have to take that into account. They don't know if you're diversified or maybe they're giving you advice to buy this really great share in a fintech. But if every other share you own is already in fintech stocks, it's probably not a good idea to have one more (laughs) So um, in terms of risk, we always want to calculate where we can, even if it's back of the envelope figures, because it really is hard to calculate everything of mm. the equation. And
0: what I think helps the individual investor getting started with
1: understanding the
0: different types of risks is actually having a look into the um, categories of risk mm-hmm. that affect investors. And some of these will be noted maybe in the product disclosure statement Uh, if you're looking at an investment product, but some of them um, you're going to have to look at for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd start there and have a little bit of a look into each of these. Okay, so let's start with systemic risk,
1: aka non-diversifiable risk. Yes, so that's the risk of the whole asset class shifting and that's always there. Hence, if a recession comes along, the whole of the stock market and virtually every share you would own on the stock market would fall. Mm. So the only way to avoid that is not being in the stock market in total. But um, so there's some quite graphic times. Uh, GFC was a good example of systemic risk that uh, and even move between countries and spread between, you know, uh, America, uh, UK, Europe and Australia okay what about market risk well market risk is one of those really big risks so market risk is the risk usually <laughs> that you'll lose money but you can equally gain money due to movements in the market i.e if it's an interest rate investment due to movements in interest rates exchange rates commodity prices or share prices so most traders we're looking to make money out of market risk of movements in a share price, mm. and then what about political risk? Political risk it picks up all your changes in legislation, uh, government. I mean, at the moment, there is definitely some political <laughs> yeah. risk. Yes, so um, political risk changes in uh, in a government's whole government, so federal elections, state elections, that sort of thing. So, always there could be calculable, or sometimes out of left field liquidity risk liquidity risk is what we call one of those financial risks so market credit and liquidity are in the group of financial risks so liquidity risk your ability to get in and out of the share price or the product as well as the general liquidity of that class and we've talked before that shares the top 200 shares on the asx are the most liquid and if you're a large fund manager, you usually don't go much beyond the top 300 because you've got liquidity issues. You can't get in and out your large positions easily. And sometimes when
0: everyone's panicking and trying to get out of a investment product or company very quickly, they often if companies do have liquidity risks that can really affect you. Then yeah. when everything's
1: good, it doesn't really
0: matter yeah. too much. But. Suddenly you can't get your money out. Yeah, or,
1: the, the, you know, the buyers of the product disappear. Mm. So lots of sellers and no buyers. So
0: it can be. And even simple. when times are good, sometimes there's massive liquidity risk with small companies listed on the ASX that have really small market caps and you, it can be very hard to get out.
1: Yep, and also in some of the large ones, they can still be owned by a larger family or um, mm. original founder who can own 40%, 50% of the shares, which makes liquidity very tight which can do a lot to help keep the price going up but if that major shareholder then starts selling you you could see um great movement in the price and i mean and property is a, physical property is
0: another good example of liquidity risk if you need that money tomorrow you can't get
1: it no no and you it's can't locked s- up you can't sell the bathroom
0: yeah <laughs> yes yes what about information risk i think that one's quite important to know as
1: a new investor Asymmetrical information. Yeah, and uh, basically that uh, there's two parties meet to buy and sell, but one party knows more than the other, mm. and that unfortunately will often be the case between a larger business or larger finance company to a smaller personal investor, mm. because people at these big companies talk, mm-hmm. and they go to the meetings and they have um, chats with management. um, And And a lot
0: of this isn't
1: technically insider trading, Mm.
0: but it's just extra information that the individual investor is not getting. And another part of information risk is that information available is actually incorrect. And so you're making an investment decision
1: off incorrect data. Mm. And that's a really big worry because you really don't know. And, you know, I've seen even – Chairmen and CEOs of companies come out and speak to you as the shareholder and really it, it turns out that uh, let's say what they've been saying to prop up their company has been a bit of a um, furvy.
0: <laughs> I mean, even recently I've seen a few examples of companies push out um, stock exchange announcements and actually just because of an employee error, put the wrong figure or add an extra zero and then have to come back the following day saying, we made a mistake, this is incorrect, but people have already started to yep. make decisions off that new data. So yeah.
1: that is a real risk. Yeah, um, Luckily it doesn't happen too often, but if you do get information it, like that, sometimes you do sort of have to wait and wonder and go, is that figure really true? Could there be an error um, before you jump on something too quickly? But uh, hopefully that's not very often.
0: And I think also when you're a new investor, sometimes because you lack information, you can get taken advantage of. So I'm not sure if that technically falls under this category, but I do think it is.
1: Yeah, um, yeah potentially, or maybe if someone's trying to give you the hard sell, um, yeah. yes, you you are potentially more at risk if you don't know. There's always, yeah. if you don't, understand, if you don't the understand
0: the fee structure or something like that, and you get sold into a product, you don't quite understand, but... Um, I think that can be a risk. And another one I wanted to talk about was the opportunity
1: risk. So often we talk about it as opportunity cost. Mm. So, you know, I'm waiting for the stock market to fall before I buy in. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm very impressed with those people, but they may be waiting quite a while, Um, you know, trying to buy in at the right time. Um, There's all sorts of quotes and figures. I think you've got some that, that say, you know, if you don't, Most of us won't get the right timing, but it's been in the market rather than trying to pick the market. Yeah, so I think you're uh,
0: referencing a Peter Lynch quote. Well, Uh, so far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections or trying to anticipate the corrections that has been lost
1: in corrections themselves. Yeah, so so if you are looking to to um, invest in the share markets, better to be in there both the highs and lows, and sit on the sidelines and wait for that perfect moment.
0: Yeah. Now it's a pretty uh, silly phrase, but it's often said. It's about time in the market, not timing the, the market. market. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And even if you get the bottom right, you know, then you've got to try and pick the top, which is yeah,
1: you know, even higher. even
0: even the best richest fund managers in the world can't pick the bottom and the top. No. No. So um, they might become famous for picking one. Market crash, but they haven't picked it the second time. Mm. Um, so, Susan, do you think there's a point at which taking
1: on more risk when investing does not mean high returns for the investor? No, it's not a straight line. You can't just sit there and say this little bit more risk will give me this little bit more return. It, it's not simple and uh, you don't know how much more risk you're, you're taking on, and especially new products and new areas or new industries. You don't know if they're going to boom. Um, afterpay is a good example a new industry for for most people Um, people would have seen that as a very risky company Mm. others would have seen that as oh getting into new areas um, a new way of doing something really changing the market and had great potential yes it had risk but it they saw the upside potential um, so some people would have suited their portfolios and brought in early and other people would have held back and went, oh, we'll watch and wait and see all oh, these legislative changes, changes in the marketplace, too many bad debts and wouldn't have invested. So, you know, they both would have had fairly good arguments of why or why not they did things. Mm.
0: And I think sometimes it works the other way around as well. Mm. You think you're taking, investing in a lower-risk product
1: mm. for Mm.
0: what you think's lower returns but the products actually can be just as risky as some yeah. of they the can have
1: AAA m- products can have all sorts of things at times and during the gfc just because it's AAA, a it had some very high risks buried in it yeah, yeah.
0: so if, if it's got low returns and you think oh maybe low risk it's not always the case yeah. i mean even like hybrids sometimes people say they're sort of a low to medium
1: risk, but they can be pretty risky. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately there's been cases where people have deliberately lowered their returns to attract investors thinking that will hide the risk in the product. Mm. Um, so please don't just assume on low returns, hence it's a low-risk product. Yeah. Um, so that rule about risk and return, it works perhaps in the areas of a government bond, you're going to get a low return, Because it's highly rated, firmly back, you know, term deposit of the right um, financial institutions, those sort of things. But once you move out of those nice basic core things, it then becomes very interesting how much risk you're taking on and will the return justify it. And Mm. some people require higher returns than maybe you. So again, it comes back to what is our risk tolerance. Mm.
0: And I think it's important, it's sort of a good. Mental check. So if someone's promising you thirty percent returns ah. in a year for some amazing property development, um, I hope you just think in your mind, oh, what are, what am I getting? What are they getting? How are they
1: promising this? And what are the risks? Yeah. Um. Let's let's go into property development because that's a whole new uh, yeah. ball game <laughs> and outside our scope, I think. Um. But as always, if someone's promising any return, I guarantee you're going to make all this money. Um, I get very wary yeah. because I go, why do you need to promise me something um, if it's just a yeah. good... If they're giving run. you those kind of returns, what are the risks? Yeah, I had a financial pr- planner guarantee me. I guarantee you you'll get 25% per annum. And I thought, how can you guarantee me that when you don't run this fund? It's a great international fund, but it's interesting mm. he was still trying to guarantee um, facts and figures in this day and age. So again, um, it's no. You know, it's, be wary of anyone saying, yeah, crying over spilled milk, and say he guaranteed me this money or she did. Unless it it's a uh, it. government-approved, authorized deposit-taking institution. Mm. And again, the, what is the guarantee? Is it up to just two hundred fifty thousand dollars, or is it some unique guarantee? And who's doing the guarantee? Mm. Is it guaranteed by Joe Smith down the road? Or is it guaranteed by a government? It's guaranteed by an insurance company? We, if so, which one? What's mm. their credit rating? So just the word guarantee doesn't help you. No. No. So, again, uh, I hate to say it, but you've got to do your homework. Yeah. And
0: after looking at all these risks, why would an investor actually even think about putting their capital at risk because there's just so many risks out there.
1: Yeah, there is. But okay, if the investor doesn't like to undertake that risk journey and they may not, you have to fall back on term deposits and cash in the bank and government bonds. But it's definitely relatively safe in the spectrum of things. But as you know, two and a half, three percent that sort of thing. Now, if inflation stays low... you'll you'll get some return, but as soon as inflation kicks up and you're still only getting your 2.5%, if the rates don't move quickly, you'll actually be behind inflation. Mm. So that is a really serious economic risk there. Um, But also, I suppose if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're trying to earn or make a bit more than your 2 or 2.5%, and it's a way of... um, boosting your returns Mm. as always you only want to invest what you can afford to lose but it's a lot more interesting than leaving your money in the bank
0: (laughs) and I think definitely when you're an investor getting started you should start to think about your own tolerance to risk Mm. and by learning about some of the different risks involved and then when you're having a look at a product having a bit of a think about what are the risks what are the returns it will help you become a bit more comfortable with what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest, it's also good to lose some money because it reminds you how <laughs> easy <laughs> it is. And We've both done that a few times. Yeah, all the, all the good lessons that you taught yourself and you forget over the years a bit because things are going smoothly and then you bring yourself up because, uh-oh, you fell into a trap and you lost some money. So... Um, no matter how often we do it we can still lose money and in hindsight we go we should have known better mm. we should have researched that or we should have asked that question um, so I think losing a little bit is good if we can learn from it mm. um, and take ourselves to task a bit and go okay why did I do that did I fall for the sales talk um, <laughs> did I believe the hype um, was I just convinced that I'd found something that was uh, too good, not too good to be tr- true, but I thought had reasonable risk in return. But mm. again, the risks were greater than were shown. Um, and so it it's always a journey. And yeah. I think to say we know it all is, is we can never say that it's a journey. And if you really don't want to do the homework, then... Seriously, think about the type of investments you want to, to stay in. Yeah, because you want to be able to sleep at
0: night and mm. you don't want to do something you're not comfortable with. but educating yourself about some of these risks and learning about your personal finances does give you a lot more comfort when you are getting started with investing. Mm. And at How-to Money, we definitely believe in making those mistakes yourself and learning from them. Yeah, and not abdicating full responsibility for your finances to someone else.
1: Yeah, because then they're learning with your money. Mm. and that's really a sad thing they've got the experience and you've suffered the loss so remember it's your money and the only person who really really wants to take care of it is you so i think that about
0: wraps up our really brief episode on sort of the risk and the role that plays in investing and it's something that really will thread through all of our episodes and everything we talk about at how to money because risk is a big part of investing and every product we talk about will have associated risks. So I definitely think it's a good starting point. And um, if you have any questions or comments after this episode, please send them to us at howtomoneyaus@gmail.com, or find us online at howtomoney.online. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next How To Money podcast. You've been listening to the How To Money podcast.